about Fight Club. Hello, and welcome to Medium Salt, the 90s nostalgia podcast where we season our past with a little bit of present. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my very, very, very good friend, Kate. Today, we're going to talk about the thing we're not supposed to talk about. Bruno. We're going to talk about Fight Club. <laughs> uh, no. Today, we're going to talk about David Fincher's Fight Club, starring Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and Helena Bottom Carter. It's a, uh, you know, popular film. But first, Kate, how are you? Hi, I'm doing really well, Matt. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm I'm sleepy. I'm also sleepy. And I am I am I'm exhausted by Fight Club. Mostly I'm just like tired of talking about Fight Club. Huh? Oddly enough, like so Fight Club's just one of those films that's like can be interpreted so many ways and there's so many things going on. And it is such a well-made film that ultimately everyone every you know, critical and analysis person, anybody who's into media criticism at all is going to talk about it at some point. And it's just, mm-hmm. I've heard it to death and I've watched it a million times. And, uh, and now I've watched it again. And so I don't have a whole lot to say. I've, I have like one bit of criticism about the film. That's not really so much like a, it's not an analysis type criticism. It's more like a, mm-hmm. Hey, they, here's this problem I'm seeing in films and films like this that I would like to just briefly mention. Yeah, we can give a little overview of, (laughs) for the two people on the planet who haven't seen Fight Club, we can give an overview of what the movie is about. Also, potential spoilers. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's every film we cover is spoilers. Yeah. Don't don't listen to it unless you're willing for it to be spoiled. That's, I think that's just like the premise of our podcast. (laughs) Right, exactly. I would agree with that. So... We have a man who's deeply unhappy in the late stage capitalism sense of the word, who is trying to fill a, fill a void in his life with consumer goods and Ikea furniture. And he apparently meets this person who's the exact antithesis of him, who's also Brad Pitt. And don't we all wish Brad Pitt was our antithesis? Um, and, uh, Brad Pitt doesn't really have a place to live and doesn't really have a job. And he does silly jobs to yeah. just be able to play pranks on people like peeing in people's soup and splicing mm-hmm. pornographic stills into children's movies in the projection room and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Or into the very film that we're watching. Or into the very film that we're watching. Yes. Cause we're, it's so meta cause you can actually see stills of Brad Pitt and sometimes you miss them. Like they're so fast. I've seen yeah. it so many times and sometimes even on rewatches, I'll be like, Oh my gosh, you know, cause they're just, they're just really quick. Um, mm-hmm. but you start seeing stills of Brad Pitt's character, which is a, it's like a foreshadowing for the fact that he's not real. He's actually our narrator. Oh um, my gosh. What? Twist. Our unnamed narrator. <laughs> yeah. He actually gets named in the second book. Does he? Yeah. There's a second book. There is a Fight Club too, yeah. Oh, well, okay. His name is Sebastian. Oh, that's dumb. I was really hoping his name would just be like Durden Tyler or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we go through this entire movie thinking that the narrator is being 
coached along this path by this person who's already done it, right? Like they do some really mm. horrific things like give themselves lie burns on their hands and they start a fight club, which is essentially men beating each other senseless, uh, first in parking lots and then in basements in some sort of a, attempt to feel something or to pull mm. themselves out of this world that they feel like they've been trapped in that's restricting their manliness or their freedoms. yeah it, yeah the whole thing is like definitely about like repressed masculinity or whatever from mm -hmm. our consumer culture that has feminized men they seem that yes. uh, we cover over and over again so they revert to like this like very survivalist primitive kind of masculinity where beating each other up is like the biological response to like life right so feeling alive right. because you because it because struggle is like where you find whatever tangled in with that there's also this anti-capitalist rhetoric mm -hmm. about you know modern corporate america and working for you know minimum wage and et cetera, et cetera. yeah um, definitely like you know working class people getting stepped on getting like basically their lives destroyed by this system and also encouraged to be uh, nothing more than consumers, which would be like mm -hmm. not that being a consumer is not being a human is right. would be the, the main tenet of this film. Yeah. We're trapped in this cycle of consumption and, you know, some of the best quotes of the movie are like, we work our whole lives to afford things we don't want to impress people we don't like, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a really, really blunt both satire and critique of our modern situation, essentially, which is still true. You are not your fucking khakis. <laughs> You're not your fucking khakis. Um, and then at the end, the, the alter ego of our narrator, Tyler Durden has planned this giant mass attack on credit card companies to bring down, all for like giant credit card headquarters thinking that that would clear everyone's debt and restart society anew with a fresh slate. And mm. somewhere mixed in there is one very poor, misguided uh, woman. Only one. Marla Singer, played by Helena, Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham Carter kills. Like, she's great. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. This movie's well made and well acted and well mm -hmm. cast. Yeah. And I think I wish it had not gotten as popular as it did. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's everything about this film is was immaculately well done. Like the mm -hmm. lighting is well done, the cinematography is perfect, the editing is amazing, the acting yeah. is is genuinely entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um the writing is is quick and witty and you mm -hmm. know shocking when it needs to be shocking if you haven't seen the movie a million times yeah it's like a roller coaster ride but a movie yeah um and it is designed to be watched multiple times and it holds up to that there's just a limit i think to any how many times you can watch any piece of media yeah and so we have this movie but the the problem is that okay so you're taking this movie the book was originally written by Trek Palahniuk and he grew up in a failing rural town without very many people in it. And he wrote this movie or this book and lots of his stories while he was basically living in one of those decaying towns that suffers from the mass exodus 
of people from rural America into cities, right? Like as we, as we moved away from actually being producers and became consumers as a country, you see a lot of these, these dying cities, right? Older, they Mm -hmm. become older and older. No one, there's nothing there to do. If you are a teenager growing up in one of those cities, you have city life on TV to compare it to. And you just, you're, you're driftless. You're adrift. You're, you have no idea what to do with yourself. And you've got a lot of anger at seeing all of your, you know, you're just being raised in the decaying body of your community, essentially. And so Chuck Palahniuk himself has always taken a super aggressive tone and a lot of his stuff that he's written is very shocking because that's one of the things he does. Right. And this movie mm-hmm. is no different. It's the same, right. It's designed to shock and make you think it's not designed to be a new anthem for incels across the world. You know? No, no. And, and one of the things this film does and a lot of films similar, I'm talking, I'm thinking of films like, like Wolf of wall street and then like Scarface Godfather, mm-hmm. um, where, you're watching it and it's supposed to be like a critique of this toxic, like this super masculine persona and how like ridiculous and, and inhuman it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's just as inhuman and awful as the consumerist lifestyle that it portrays at the beginning of the film. Right. Um, this cult like obsession and, and monotony, right. They're all dressed the same. They're all, they all look the same. They all talk the same. They, they, none of them think independently. Um, this mm-hmm. film definitely shows those two things as being equivalently bad, kind of. Which is why this, like, the film gets misinterpreted a lot by people who like worship the Tyler Durden. Like, look at that guy; he doesn't give a shit. Like, they basically mm-hmm. put themselves in Edward Norton's role, and then they walk away with Edward Norton before he completed the arc. Right. Um, before he realized, oh my gosh, this is horrible, and right. he needs to stop, and he kills Tyler Durden. Yeah. Well, or does he? Which is. Yeah. Um, Well, he shoots himself (laughs) in the head, but he doesn't die, and somehow Tyler does, even though Tyler's a figment of his imagination. It's a little hand wavy. Yeah. So the one problem I'm having with these types of films that show like this 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 lifestyle, and and then they try to say like, oh, it's bad. Like this lifestyle is awful. These films also kind of revel in that Mm -hmm. imagery. Oh yeah. You know, they make it look fun. Yeah, they make it look you know? awesome and fun and like look how cool this guy is. And then it also does not provide an alternative. That's which I what, feel like is intellectually lazy. That is a hundred percent true. Like that's one of the things I wanted to talk about too. Yeah, like all these films that criticize toxic masculinity and and do so in such like a shallow way that it, and not not to say that Fight Club is shallow, but it's a little shallow. Um well, it's just very monotone, right? It may yeah. not be shallow, but if it, its depth is all one flavor. You know? Yeah, and if you're not going to provide an alternative, all you're doing is like all you're doing is whining, you know? Yeah, which is like okay, we get it, right? I don't think anyone. Yeah. Well, I won't say that. I probably live in an echo chamber of people who don't like capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, this movie rang true for enough people that we get it, right? Like the it's kind of the same issue that I take with like the breast cancer pink awareness ribbons. I'm like, okay, guys, mm-hmm. we get it. Everyone knows breast cancer is a thing. Now what? Um, yeah. But everyone knows, right? Everyone, unless you're incredibly rich, and even then, probably you are a slave to the yoke of capitalism right now, right? Like there are mm-hmm. things about your life that you don't like. You probably overconsume to fill up the fact that you don't have free time to mm-hmm. explore your identity. You have 
these yeah. these problems, right? And so yeah. it makes it seem really easy that you can just decide to be different and throw it off and everything will be fine. But the problem is right. you live in the society that you're born in, right? You can't really yeah. completely be without it, which is something that I struggle with, right? Like, would I love to live in a socialist utopia? Absolutely. Sign me the fuck up. I'll go join the enterprise. But mm. I live here and I pay taxes and I have to eat and I have to feed my cats and I have to, you know, do all these things. And so what what is there instead, right? Instead of this angry anarchy that they form in the movie, what do we do instead? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Also, and, I'm not invited because I'm a woman. So, right. Which is, I, I want to get to that here in a second <laughs> too. Cause, like, on top of not providing an alternative form of like healthy masculinity or alternative form, uh, an alternative attitude that would be good for society, um, it also kind of, one, it kind of acts like this like consumerism bullshit is new, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it get, like, granted, the 90s and later has its own flair of consumerism right. like instead of but it, but the consumerism aspect of our society that it's critiquing is not new even though it tries to paint it as new is like it's this new horrible thing we're doing it's like listen agricultural all, revolution you it's, know? it's been around forever it's listen instead of instead of booze or coke or or fucking uh, um you know sex drugs rock and roll all the shit we did in the, the 80s and earlier now it's it's ikea furniture okay and now like all that's it's the same thing Mm -hmm. It's the same thing, different, different time of year, right? Like we're, we're trying it's to fill a hole in our void with, uh, with yeah. substances that we, we different buy, we consume. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, you can't act like, you know, the night in the stole oh, man in the nineties, men were becoming women and we're just buying Ikea furniture and it's fucking bullshit. It's like, eh, it's fucking lazy. Like think about <laughs> it for a second. Right. And on top of that, on top of not providing an alternative for consumerism, not providing an alternative to masculinity. You know, it's one thing to point at, at current, like the masculine and be like, see how toxic and awful this is, but also treats all of the women as sh like shit. Right. For the, the whole movie. movie. Mm -hmm. And like, and it's not done in a critical way. It's not done like, look how terrible these characters treat this woman. Cause the whole time you're looking at this woman, like she's a piece of trash yeah. and at no point, they, even on repeat they specifically viewings. specifically choose. Yeah. They specifically yeah. choose to show that. To, to vilify her throughout the whole movie and then she's mm -hmm. still there at the end she yes. still shows up yep and then even upon rewatching, when you know the twist ending and you know the mm -hmm. context it still makes uh it makes marlo look like shit yeah it's it's not great um, no, um maggie mayfish does a great video where she, where she touches on that and then she also mentions like um that we, you know, you're, we're led to believe that the the film is Edward Norton is telling the story of his alter ego, Brad Pitt, mm -hmm. Tyler Durden. Um, Maggie Mayfish's theory that she puts out is that um, it's actually Brad Pitt is the original who's telling oh, wow. us a story, and Edward Norton is is the 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 imaginary character that he's created to tell this story so that it makes what he's done easier to swallow. Like he's, cooler. he's justifying himself. Yeah. Yeah. That and I think there's, there's definitely some evidence to support that. Like the fact that at the end of the film, there's a, there's a single frame of a, of a porn mm -hmm. at the very end of the film. So it's like, and that's something that Brad Pitt does. Right. He cuts movies and he mm -hmm. slices these things in like Brad Pitt is the narrator. It's not Norton. 
That's true. And I'm he's like, also That's the neat, more you know charismatic and likable character, you know. Yeah. And of course he's gonna be. He's telling you the story. Yeah. He's gonna tell you how cool he is and how awesome yep. he is and how lame I mean, this other guy is. <laughs> <laughs> he becomes like a, a hero character to all mm-hmm. of the people in the movie, right? And uh, a whispered name, Tyler Durden, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I like it. I'm, try- I'm like rewatching the movie in my head with that. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It, it at least gives it a little something. I don't know. This film is like, it can be interpreted so many ways that the film might as well be meaningless. <laughs> um, It's just like a Rorschach test. You get to see what you want in it. Yeah. As long as what you want is also super violent and mean to women. Yeah. So. It's a very yeah, well-made film. It's an exceptionally well-made film. Yeah. And it's, it's really entertaining to watch. And if it provokes thoughts in you that make you question things, then it's done a good job. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when it becomes too, well, I guess when anything becomes too powerful, right? When it becomes the rallying cry of people who want to be Tyler Durden, of people who let that anger consume them and instead of trying to do something to because they're not helping anybody exploding a bunch of credit card companies that of buildings that are allegedly empty of people and whatnot mm-hmm. and thinking that that's like a 13 year old boys thinking of how to fix the world right ah mm-hmm. if these these credit card companies didn't exist everything would be fine that doesn't fix the underlying problem of our society it doesn't help anyone right People are still disenfranchised and still. Yeah. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Like the people in power is going to be like, oh, I guess we just don't have money now. Nah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, this whole, I've changed my ways. I'm never going to yeah. open a credit card company again. That's not you know, going to happen. The The TV series, Mr. Robot, owes a lot oh, of a its same plot points. Plot line. It's yeah. almost the same plot line, but it handles the aftermath a lot. Like, no, this is how it would really happen. Yeah. <laughs> In a really like, fun way. Do we wish that that was the case? Yes. Do I know a really clean, easy path to get from here to where I think we need to evolve as a society? Unfortunately, no, I do not. I know not the path, maybe, and it's probably not exploding a bunch of buildings of credit card companies. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that one of the reasons that this movie appeals to people is because of that desperation that everyone feels, mm-hmm. right? If you if you sit alone, maybe it's just me and I'm projecting the fuck out of this. But if you sit alone for too long and you start to think and you're like, ah, I'm I'm this I'm this gear, I'm this cog in this wheel of this system I don't want to be involved in, right? But I don't know how to go from being a gear to being something else. I don't know how to enact change that is meaningful. And so I'm going to just try to be as kind as I can in my sphere and hope that that's okay. And I don't know that it is or not, right? Like there's, there should be actionable things that everyone can do to actually make changes. But the way that the system is set up, it's not easy to identify. It's not easy to do, right? And that's serving Mm -hmm. the people at the top. But like, I know it's really easy to vilify people like Jeff Bezos and whoever else, right? Whoever's the the villain of the hour because they have too much money or they do too much, whatever. But I kind of, and maybe this is very cynical, but I think that if there wasn't a Jeff Bezos, we'd just have a different Jeff Bezos. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it goes into the whole theory that it's like, even though, even though in history we like to celebrate great men 
and identify individuals as doing great things to move society forward. I think it would be just as accurate to say it's like without those people, it would just be somebody else. Yeah. Um, because societies yeah. produce people. People don't produce right. societies. That is very true. Like Jeff Bezos is the culmination of the direction that our capitalist society was going. You know, mm -hmm. Elon Musk is the <laughs> culmination of the direction our society was going. Right. And so it's really easy and in some ways comforting to be like, oh, that Jeff Bezos, what a dick. Look at the things he's doing to the world. Are you like flipping pages or something? No, I'm playing with my chapstick. I'm so sorry. Okay. No, it's, it's, I'm stop. just, I'm hearing it. <laughs> click, click, click. Yeah. Um, I'm fidgeting. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's super convenient. It's very convenient to identify these villains and go to sleep at night thinking, well, at least I know where the evil is. But the problem is there's a little bit of evil in all of us because we live in this mm -hmm. system. We have its implicit biases. We're all, we're all born in the muck and we can't entirely get it all off of us, even if we try really hard. So yeah, yep. from that desperation, I can, I can see some of the appeal of being like, you know what? Fuck it. Anarchy, burn things, punch people, yeah. punch yeah. more people, let them punch you. Yeah. And I'll be the toughest motherfucker of all the tough motherfuckers, so naturally I'd be the leader. Not Obviously. Bob with bitch tits. I'm gonna live in this giant old weird house. Yes. And Meatloaf is great in this movie, by the Meatloaf way. Meatloaf is so good. He might so be the best good. character in the whole movie. Rip. Yeah. Oh, Robert man. Palmer. Um, so one of the few named good. characters, yeah. Yeah. And so I get the Anger is a, an easy response to desperation and sadness, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's the right path to take. I think that, I don't know, an actionable plan is better, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's just working in your sphere of control to help the things that you can in your community, yeah. starting, you know, with yeah. your town or your street or whatever. There yeah. are people around you that don't have... Whether that's a mutual aid organization or a nonprofit yeah. or... I guarantee you, once you start helping other people, you start feeling better, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what this film is missing. It's missing the, it's missing like an actual call to action thesis. It's not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this film is mainly like the candy and popcorn of this issue and not, you know, I mean, this film and every other of, film, like it, every other film yeah. that walks away with some douchebag worshiping, fucking criminals um like jordan belfort or or fucking scarface right yeah i think people just don't want to be preached to also like mm -hmm. they're like oh i don't want this to have a moral imperative or whatever yeah. and also well i mean you don't have to you just just include a like the thing is you don't even have to like be like see this is the way you can just mm -hmm. like include a character that's well adjusted and, and like doesn't have the issues the main character does to right. be like a scene and isn't you know is it miserable maybe right yeah, and of course this movie's super anti-capitalist and everything, and the fact that it got made by a major studio is crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, and also a story of its own, right? Like mm -hmm. they had to go through a lot of hoops and and things like that to get this made because no one wanted to touch it because they're like, "What the hell is this movie?" Yeah. Right? Like this. Well, is I mean, there, there there was like one guy that really wanted it for some reason, and everyone was like, "This is no, no, don't do this." And then he's like, "Nah, I'm gonna do it." 
we're gonna do it. Yeah. Like everyone was telling them, like, nah, this is not gonna make a good movie. It's like, nah, yeah. it'll make it's a good movie. Great. We're gonna do it. And they did, and it yep. is. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking just, and all that stuff. You know. You can't, it's, it's really difficult to ask the systems you're trying to fight to also give you the tools to fight them, you mm-hmm. know? What's funny is like how, like which parts of this film has aged poorly and what films, like, like what, what parts are still kind of fine. And like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm by that, I mean, just like, like just little things like, um, the, the scene where they're at the video rental store and they're like demagnetizing all the tapes. Oh yeah. And like th- pretty soon, like people who watch this movie are not going to know what the hell they're doing. Like they're That's just waving hilarious. a bar over these tapes. Or, or what, are, what, what are those rectangles with pictures on them? It looks kind <laughs> of like the dashboard on my Kindle. <laughs> yeah. Or like replacing all the airline things with things about people being on fire and stuff. No one reads those anyway. Yeah, I, mean, I do. Oh, yeah, me too. Because well, <laughs> I'm only I could, two people. You know, you're sitting there and you're just like, oh, what's this? Yeah, this is something to distract do? me. Yeah. You're right. What is George Clooney up to? Air flight magazine. Um, Sky Mall. (laughs) Even just the very beginning part of the movie where he starts to go to these grief support groups, right? For all of these different diseases in order to feel the appreciation of his life. Yeah. I feel like that part was like written by somebody who'd never been to a support group. (laughs) yeah probably it just didn't it didn't it just didn't ring true to me like i haven't been to a support group either but like that just didn't seem right it's also just dark as fuck right which is really the point yeah like the whole the whole the whole movie is supposed to be darkly comedic but people take it too seriously and Mm -hmm. the idea that you would profit off of someone else's suffering just to feel a little bit better about yourself is deeply shitty so (laughs) you know rather than going to these support groups to support anyone he goes to these support groups doesn't say anything and they all think he's the worst off of them even though they're the ones dying and they're the ones suffering from blood parasites or whatever Mm. i didn't even know blood parasites were a thing oh yeah terrifying marl is an interesting character though because she's really the most real character in the movie because she she gets, she starts showing up at the same support group thing. She's clearly got similar issues. She doesn't have much of a life going on that we can tell, right? Like, it doesn't really look like she has a job. Mm-hmm. She is the Tyler Durden, but he doesn't want to listen to her, right? She's the one who's already kind of espoused capitalism and does what she wants. She smokes. Yeah. She dresses mm-hmm. exactly how she wants to. Doesn't she, care about dying. Doesn't care about the system. Yeah, like she just crosses kind of, the street without looking either way, steals things, no problem. Yeah, she she is that person, but mm-hmm. she's not the person that when like when she's first introduced, he hates her, right? Yeah. Like he envisions her dying and he wants her to to get out of his life, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But then a man comes along kind of doing the same thing, even to the point mm-hmm. of wearing weird clothes and whatever. Mm-hmm. And oh, he's yeah. like, Oh, mm-hmm. look, a god. Yes. And and yeah. and he looks like the underwear models he's criticizing. Yeah, exactly. In the film, and it's because like the 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 film is like deep homoerotic undertones throughout yeah. the whole thing. Like he he even sees his relationship with Tyler Durden as like a relationship, and he gets mm-hmm. extremely jealous. 
when he starts Marla. sleeping with Marla. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not jealous of, uh, <laughs> he's not jealous that, that Tyler gets to sleep with Marla. He's jealous that Marla gets Marla to sleep, gets with, to Tyler. sleep with Tyler. Yeah. It's just weird when you consider that it is him. Mm -hmm. It's like he's like, I'm trying to unpack that. He's jealous that someone else likes that part of him. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's very American psycho. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's like there's self-loathing about the person he is. Yeah. One thing I, I just found out was that the sex scenes were shot, you know, where like the camera's like moving around the uh -huh. Marla and Tyler. That yeah. was done using the same rig as in, in the Matrix that came out the same year. What? Yeah, they used the same like camera, like with with the flying kick that they did in the Matrix, yeah. where they had cameras uh, that all around. They uh, they cool. did the same rig with with Fight Club, but the thing was, is like in Fight Club, there was so much CG in this film, especially for the time. And the reason it looks kind of off is because they're actually wearing mocap suits, and it's actually like so it's like a combination of like they shot it for real, but then they also CG'd the hell out of it. Wow. Which gave it a very interesting look. This film in nice. general just was all a lot of really interesting CG. Yeah. Um, very weird and stylized. And it feels, yeah. it feels almost like a descent into madness to me. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, right. hell, that's the title sequence, right? Yeah, it is. It really <laughs> is. Which title sequences are great. They, we don't do title sequences anymore in movies. We should bring those back. Title sequences are great. No, this one was particularly uncomfortable. Yeah. It was made to be uncomfortable. Like they chose the music. I think oh, yeah. David Fincher specifically said uh, that they wanted the audience to be put off by the, oh, yeah, yeah. By the title opening. And it is. It's Just like the really gross flying around these neurons and like sweat molecules mm -hmm. and prettiness. Uh, they actually learned how to make soap for this movie, too. That's cool. Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. They actually spent more time learning how to make soap than fighting. So. <laughs> I thought that was really funny because they wanted those scenes to be realistic when they were making. To, soap to be out fair, of the the soap making is much more important to the plot than the fighting. That's true because the soap <laughs> making is what they eventually use as uh, explosives, right? Well, they use the byproduct of soap making, which is glycerin, to make yeah. nitroglycerin. Woohoo! Um, they make soap out of liposuction fat, which is to me gross and weird and. Hilarious. So, mm -hmm. um, sound design in this film is fantastic. If you notice, a lot of the scenes before, like, kind of things go off the rails. Every time Tyler is like upping the crazy, upping the the ante, you will hear train sounds in the background. Like, there's an oncoming train that you can't what? stop. Yeah, that's so cool. So, like, there's a I lot of like really again. cool sound design stuff like that going on throughout the film. Like, everything about this film is immaculate. Like, it's yeah. just so well done. It's, it really is. It's impressive for that reason only. I'm just so tired of seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fair. We're so tired yeah. of talking about Fight Club. Um, yeah, just the fact that they can make an entire movie where someone's not present or is never talked to, right? Like, no one ever talks to Edward Norton mm -hmm. and Brad Pitt in the same scene. Yeah, right? yeah. But you don't notice it because of the way that the movie is shot and edited. Yeah. I mean, there are it's definitely parts well that done. Um, the suspension of disbelief gets a little bit more difficult. Like at the end sure. when he's dragging himself and throws himself down the stairs, you're like, okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> actually the one, like the one shot that really strikes me because it's the one that looks the most fake. 
mm-hmm. like where where he's literally being dragged by his because, collar. Yeah, yeah, because that one because every other one I could kind of see someone doing that themselves, but the yeah. being dragged bit like that's you can punch like, yourself I'm, in the face. You can't drag yourself yeah. down a hallway. I mean, that's some professional mime type shit. Because specifically because <laughs> he was dragging, right? Like now getting thrown down the stairs the way they shot that, like the, it looked like. Edward just jumped down the stairs yeah, and that works. Exactly. Right. And if what's going on in his head is his head is that he's getting thrown, but he's actually jumping. I buy it. But right. the, the getting dragged bit, that shot just looks a little off. Like it looks like they CG'd out a person who was dragging him or dragging CG'd out a cable sure, yeah. that was dragging him instead of like him actually pushing himself that way. Yep. And that was the, but, that was the one scene that I was like, all right, that's the one you're not going to sell people on. Yeah, the rest but of it the actually rest works. Is like, oh, yeah. Also, the fact that so many people would follow someone who, like, clearly is behaving very strangely, mm. right? Like, maybe that's part of his charm, but he switches yeah. personalities a lot. And yeah, well, it's always like a test, right? They think they're testing him. Oh, yes. Right. The but easiest it, way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, we you know, it's all, it's all very culty. Mm-hmm. Right, and it works for that. Yeah, you take a bunch of angry and disenfranchised people, give them something to rally around, and point them mm-hmm. in the direction of a credit card company, and yep. off you go. So, uh, with that in mind, the ending of the film, mm-hmm. um, obviously, they blow up the buildings and it succeeds, which is actually the opposite of what happens in the book. Yes. And the book ending is a little more terrifying, I think. Now, Don't I know. Get institutionalized? No. So, well, at least I didn't. I, okay, this has been a minute. So, but the way I read, it, like Paul Nick likes the movie a lot. He thinks it's an improvement on the book. I would say, yeah, okay, it's a really well done movie. And it does add, I think, to the narrative. But in the book, the every time they're talking about like making explosives or whatever, there's like a kind of a side mention that like the narrator always kind of gets something wrong. You can't quite get like whatever wiring or mixture right on the explosives. Mm-hmm. And it's always like, oh, I try it and I just keep failing. I'm just not as good as the rest of the guys. Um, well, that ends up causing the attack to fail because oh. it turns because he doesn't know the right way to make these explosives. Tyler also doesn't. Um, and so that awesome. fails. And what, and he ends up like in a hospital from the, the gunshot wound. And um, he he thinks it's like oh thank God the the attack failed so like you know Project Mayhem's done but then like an orderly at the hospital is like don't uh, yeah don't you don't have to worry about a thing we're gonna take good care of you sir dun, dun, dun. and then he like realizes that this thing is like beyond his control and like totally it's not over control. yet it's never over even though they failed it's never gonna be over. And like, yeah, that's, you, that's scary, right? Like, that's, a, oh my God. You start something and it's, it grows, it grows outside yeah. of you and you can't stop it, right? It definitely would have sucked as a movie ending though. <laughs> Exploding <laughs> buildings are way much more fun to watch. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too, because within the last couple of weeks, Fight Club's been in the news again because this uh, streaming service in China censored yeah. the end of Fight Club. <laughs> By basically just stopping the film yeah. before the end and putting mm-hmm. up a 
a little caption that says all of the criminals were arrested and the explosions yeah. <laughs> were stopped yeah. by the authorities. The <laughs> end. Don't worry, it ends well. It's not even like a well-made yeah, like, no. word graphic. If you had used Microsoft Word and some word art, it would have been better. It was just terrible looking. Um, apparently the end has actually been restored or something because yeah, people were up yeah. in arms about it. But I'm like, that's hilarious. And what's funny is uh, Palinik was actually like, you know, it's kind of closer to my ending then. Because it uh, is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of makes me think about the creation of the incel culture to begin with. So mm. the woman who started the incel uh, phrase, right? She's the one who coined the incel phrase. Reply All actually has a really good podcast episode about it. But essentially, it started off with really good intentions. It was a group of people who didn't know. They were honestly probably a group of neurodivergent people who didn't know how to date or felt really lonely, right? Like right. they wanted partners yeah. and they wanted connection, but they didn't really know the unspoken rules of how to do that. And so right. it, it was more of a support group for people to help each other navigate yeah, the exactly. social complexities yeah and so it started out like that and um you know toxic assholes happened (laughs) yeah eventually it's one of those things that has its own problem which is once you don't need the group anymore you don't stay around right so people that were able to get help or people who were able to take the things that they'd learned and you know form happy partnerships didn't stay around and so the people who stayed just became more and more uh, jaded and angry. And then it just kind of spiraled into this horrible subculture of people Mm. who hate women and simultaneously think women are supposed to provide them with sex. And it's just all sorts of weird, toxic ideas. And it grew beyond like, obviously no, she, she's like, Oh my God, what have I done? I don't think that, it would never have happened had she not been the person, right? Maybe it would be right, called yeah. something different. But I think like we talked just about like, earlier. Just like we said now, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a societal thing. It's a it's a, a resurgence or a response to changes in society that cause mm-hmm. backlash and correction like auto correcting mm-hmm. things. So Yeah. And I'm no I'm no socioeconomic societal psychological per- I, I'm an idiot. Right. <laughs> that was a but lot like, of words. The, yeah. I, but the, I mean, the, I, th- I think, I think part of it can be pointed at films, these, the media like Fight Club, where the, they point out all these awful things, but there's no alternative. There's no healthy alternative that it can supply for people to, to look up to. Right. right. So what you're left with is just a bunch of angry people in a room. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes like being angry feels nice. It's like, being next oh, to a really yeah. fire before it starts to burn you, you know? Yeah. You're like, there's like a righteous indignation. The world's against you. You are the good guy and everyone else is just piece of shit. You yeah. Know? Everyone's in, except, everyone's shit. Yeah. Except that if everyone you meet is an asshole, you're probably the asshole. So, and that's really the tagline for Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. the asshole is you. The asshole is you. And it's really, it's really easy to give up. It's really mm-hmm. easy to give up on the world because it's hard to 
it's hard to look at all this. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm playing on my chapstick again. It's hard to look at all the suffering of the world and somehow hold that in you while also holding space for joy and the the belief that things can get better. But it's yeah. worth doing. So. Yeah. Well, that's that's about all I can really say about yeah, this. Yeah, like I, we could probably try to go more beat by beat, but it's just yeah. Honestly, we'd just be circling the drain, beating the bush, beating a dead horse. It's a lot of assembling things. IKEA furniture <laughs> with all of the happy little cartoon guys that are like, yeah. huh, look at me with this screwdriver and all these letters. <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely think the movie's worth watching. Yeah, and it's I a great. It's a it's in, it's an incredibly well made film for all it really its faults. Is. It's fiercely entertaining and yep. also kind of hard to watch. It's meant to be shocking, right? There's a lot of really violent things in it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but lots of bloody mouths. Lots of bloody mouths. Also, they have incredible healing powers. Oh yeah, like yeah, they're better. Now, granted, there's like no time days period, later. but yeah, yeah. Time shaky because we have unreliable narrators on both ends, but. Oh, yeah. Which is the excuse. Actually, I want to bring that up real quick. Unreliable narrator. Real quick. That's the excuse. A lot of these like toxic masculine movies that they revel in that masculinity while also quote criticizing it. They like, like oh, well, it's an unreliable narrator. So, you know, of course, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like that excuse only goes so far. Like if every fucking film that revels in the shit is going to say unreliable narrator, then what's the goddamn point? Right. But that's all I got to say about that. Okay, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> you wrote the film, right? You're like, yeah. ah, this unreliable narrator that I created, it's his fault. Those are his ideas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and, and sometimes sometimes there's a piece of work where, like, the unreliable narrator is is inextricable from the narrative of the story. And that's mm-hmm. fine. I think people could work a little harder at that rather than just <laughs> falling back on that as an excuse. Yeah, also, that's kind of, at least in my point of view, that's a hard thing to get right, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's hard to make a story that's compelling with an unreliable narrator because it always comes across as monotone and tone deaf, right? If you have an mm-hmm. unreliable narrator that only sees the world from their point of view, it's not going to go well. <laughs> yep. Like, I don't know, Fight Club. <laughs> so, it's an excellent point. Yep. But yeah, um, that's Fight Club. I think that is going to be enough for today. I have got a yin-yang coffee table I gotta go build. But thank you so much for joining us. I hope this was uh, at least a a little entertaining for you, uh, all y'all out there. As always, you can find more of us at mediumsalt.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, While you're on the website, why don't you drop on by the Discord and let us know what you think. Kate, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure to have you around. Thanks to you so much for talking to me about Fight Club, a movie you're sick of talking about. <laughs> yeah. Now we never have to talk about it again. It's all on tape. Woohoo! <laughs> awesome. Well, thank, yep. thank everyone for spending some time with us this week. Have a fantastic week. And remember, as always, stay salty. Stay salty.